You're listening to Everything's Totally Fine. Each episode, we bring you people who share stories about their lives. I'm Allie Hawk, and I'll be your host. Join us to hear about the times we pretend everything's totally fine. This episode, our guest is a friend of mine, so it might be exceptionally giggly. Cap Auden is a documentary photographer, and she works for national publications and for individual clients. Before that, she worked in public health for seven years as a community organizer, and Cat holds her master's degree in public health. One interesting fact about Cat is that for 10 years, she had a phobia of flying in airplanes. And this will be surprising because she's traveled basically around the world since then. She spent a year of cognitive behavioral therapy to get over that phobia. And she starts us off with a story from when she was living internationally. She was in her early 20s, doing development work, and a guy who was also living at the same long-term hostel as Kat caught her eye. He's really funny, he plays guitar, he leaves parties to go read The Economist. Like, I was crazy about him. Wow. Yes. (laughs) They only end up living in the same place for a couple of months. He ends up finding an apartment on the outside of town, and Kat moves to a more permanent apartment in the city. A few months after they both move, he calls her. He's like, hey, I'm coming into town. Uh, could I possibly stay with you for this night? And he knows, I thought he knew like a bunch of people in town. Like there's no reason why he would call me to stay with me. Right. And so I'm like, is this, is is he interested in me? Or is it just like he needs a place to stay and other people uh, couldn't host him or what? And like at that time, even like I had had this series of really meaningless flings Mm-hmm. that I thought were flings, but always ended up with, like, me being hurt because some guy was like, I really don't want a serious relationship right now. And even though I was – I this happened a few times, like, bam, bam, bam in a row. So then you got broken up with a bunch of guys that yeah, you didn't but that I wasn't even, even dating. Date. I didn't even want to date them. I'm glad Kat brought this up because this is a phenomenon that I've heard a lot of my friends go through. It seems as though there's an assumption that is particularly placed on single women – that because they're single, automatically it means they're looking for a boyfriend. And the assumption and then the consequential rejection is disorienting. So I got really nervous about this guy coming to visit because I was like, I don't know what this means. Right. Like on very shaky ground, I was also mm-hmm. gaining a lot of weight and I just felt like I just couldn't really tell who was interested in me and, and what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to my roommates about it and like, you're not going to get clear-eyed advice from like, your really affirming friends. Right. And so they were all like... They're like, he's into yeah. you. He's yeah, they coming. were like, he's coming here to see you. He's into you. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't... Really? You think so? Like, they were all so certain. And they were like, yes, that's what this means. I can't believe you don't see it. And I was like, whoa, okay. That must be what it means. So, quickly, Kat's living situation here wasn't typical. There were five roommates and three rooms. Kat's room had two twin beds and... The mattress from one of those beds was being used by one of the extra roommates in the laundry room. And so I have this twin bed, and then the other twin bed without a mattress is basically like a plank of wood on the ground. Okay. But I jokingly refer to it as like the chaise longue, because it was incredibly uncomfortable. Like it had no padding. It was just wood on the ground. Right. Uh, So the night that this guy was going to arrive, I was 
very nervous, and my roommates had just made some pot brownies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, at that time, had a really big problem with stress eating. Okay. <laughs> and I, like, when I was anxious, I would just go to town on, like, whatever <laughs> food was in front of me. Like, it was almost, like, blacking out and then yeah. oh, with, no. like, a full stomach. You know I what I mean? I think I'm still there. But, yeah, yeah. guilty phases of intense where you're, like, disconnected yeah. to the food that you're eating. Yeah, you're not even thinking. It's crazy. It's almost like an out-of-body food experience. <laughs> And so, oh uh, no, oh no, but don't do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hearing me talk about it, I just I feel like I'm in that room watching my 15 pound heavier self just go into town on those brownies, and just like I'm just standing there being like, oh, you poor dumpling, <laughs> you poor sweet dumpling. I'm so sorry I did this to you. <laughs> I don't know how many I ate, somewhere between, like, my, I roughly estimate between, like, three and maybe ten. No, I don't know. You, you don't, you can't even narrow it down. I can't, like, I to, don't know. To two or three, like, the margin of error. That's, that's a seven brownie difference. <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> but, and I just remember. <laughs> oh, my God, so many. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um and so, and it was really strong. We had smoked this stuff before, and it was really strong. But it always like elevated my mood and made me feel good. So I was like, <laughs> so scared for you. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think I'm fine. And this is you. So after you're done eating the brownies, you you don't have like an immediate like like you don't try to throw up. You're not like I definitely have had no, too many. I didn't even. I was just. I wasn't even thinking about how much I ate. And it of course seriously. And I had done edibles before, and I know that it takes a little while to kick in. But it was still. I was just like. I'm not feeling it. I'm nervous. And I wanted to be like a little bit buzzed and I wanted to keep eating. And <laughs> she hears a knock at the door. Cat gets up and immediately realizes how high she is. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what have I done? Now I have to hang out with this guy. And, uh, and was it like your body or your head? What did yeah, it, it was like, like my body and my head. It felt like, um, it felt like there was no separation between, it was like my skin didn't exist. And I was just like, uh huh. Like, Everything was just kind of out there, and and it was, like, the strangest feeling. And so I get up. I remember I gripped the doorknob with both hands, <laughs> and and so there he is. And I'm just like, hey. And uh, he's like, oh, it's so good to see you. And I guess he hugs me. I don't remember, like, the formalities or things we talked about in that moment because I was just, like, desperately trying to be like, what am I going to do and trying to think about how long this is going to last and everything. But I was like, keep it together. And um, we go out for dinner. And I don't remember, like, getting there. I remember being there. And it was it was at a shawarma place. Uh, and we're, like, talking about, I don't know, probably, like, things we read in The Economist or something. <laughs> and uh, I think we're both, we're, I'm, like, desperately trying to keep up with a conversation that's, like, probably very intelligent and, like, mm-hmm. grounded in world events. And uh, I'm, like, really trying to keep it together. And then we leave the shawarma place and go back. To the apartment. And, and have you told him at any point that you were stoned? Mm-mm. They go back to her apartment, watch a movie with her roommates for a little bit, and then the night gets late. And so we go into my room, and I, in my nervousness, I completely forgot that he needs a place to sleep. And I was like, oh, no, the chaise. <laughs> and so I quickly <laughs> grabbed as many blankets and pillows as I could, and I just, like, threw them onto it. And I was just like... 
So, so this is the chaise and it's not comfortable. And I'm sorry, it's not a mattress, but it's like we can make it comfortable and like it's the chaise and that's where you're gonna sleep. And I'm sorry. And you hadn't thought about where he was gonna sleep until that was, moment. No, I was so nervous and I just I just completely forgot. And what I should have done, like if I had been sober, I would have been like, Oh, obviously you're gonna take my bed and I'll <laughs> sleep on the floor, or I'll sleep on the chaise. But that's what you do when a guest is there. You give them what's comfortable. But in my haze I was just like there there was no there was no like way to change course. It was just like, I have my bed, he has the sheds. Like, there were things that you knew to be true. <laughs> yeah, there was no there was no flexibility in my brain. It was just like, this is how things are. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, it's time, you know, I got to get undressed and ready for bed. <laughs> so then I went into the corner. It was like, you know, when little kids play hide and go seek, they think that if they can't, they're terrible at it because... They think if they can't see you, you can't see them. And yeah. they're just they'll just be like under a table or standing in the corner with their back to you. Yeah. That was the logic of my mind. I was like, he can't see me change my clothes if I'm looking in the corner. Seriously? So no part of you thought like this could lead to hooking up if I change in the corner? No, it was just like I change here now. <laughs> it's like the most basic the most like basic moment to moment thoughts. <laughs> So I like grabbed like a tank top and some PJ pants and started undressing, but I wasn't facing him. I was facing the corner and he was sitting on the chaise and I think he was probably just like, what is going on? And, uh, and so I take off my shirt and I take off my pants and I'm naked and then I put on it, put on a tank top and I lower myself to put on my pants and I just fall over <laughs> and then I'm lying on my back trying to put on my pants like an, like an overturned beetle just like rolling around trying to reach down and put each leg each pant leg and over are each you pants. are you laughing oh I'm just like oh no <laughs> I was just like oh no I was like, oh no! <laughs> You're just like pitifully no, no. moaning. Yeah. yeah, and how I remember it is, he's sitting there looking at me and smiling with like the warmest, sweetest smile. But in reality, his jaw is probably dropped because he's never seen someone experiencing such a, like a total psychological meltdown. Like he's. Like, he has probably never seen anything like this in his entire life. Like a grown-up woman who is completely psychologically and physically melting down. I eventually get my PJ pants on. And I get into bed. And then I, and I was like, good night. And I turned off the light. And um, But then we were like talking a little bit. And I think it started to wear off because I remember I started having more lucid thoughts and I made a couple jokes and I remember I like made some joke and he said that I was clever and in my mind I was like, that's it. He's not interested in me. Like no one who's interested in me would ever say that I'm clever. Like that was my mind. I was like, that's the least sexy adjective you could use. It's time to go to sleep. Even though that's like a great compliment. Like I, I would love to be called clever, but at that time I was like, he could have said beautiful. My brain was just looking for any sign to be like, it's either yes or no. My brain was like, that's it. <laughs> and the mindset you were in at the time, it almost sounds like you were probably waiting for like, 
the no. You're like mm-hmm. waiting until you could take whatever you're saying and be like, that's the no that you've been assuming will come the whole time. Allie, that's so insightful. I think that's <laughs> totally, I think that's completely it. Yeah, I think I was. And I think that was it. And then I was just like, good night. The next morning went surprisingly well. I made coffee. We had breakfast. We sat on my bed and talked. Exactly what we should have had the evening before we had that morning. Kat had to go to work. And he had to go to a meeting. They ran into one of her roommates as they were leaving. We were, like, laughing and talking. And she kind of gave me this look of just, like, she when he wasn't looking, she, like, gave me a thumbs up of just, like, nice job. And I was like, no, I, <laughs> nice I, job. I, I, I 100% did not do a nice job. <laughs> so they walk together and get on the train. And so we're both standing. We're standing facing each other, like, holding on to the little, like, leather straps at the top that you hold on to when it's bumpy and crowded. And at one point, like, the train, like, bumps, and we, like, bump into each other. And the sun is shining, and he has this, like, pretty blonde hair, and the sun's, like, shining through his hair, and I'm, like, looking up at him, and he's looking down at me, and we're smiling. And then there's my stop for my work, and I'm just like, okay, bye. And I give him a hug and leave. And that was it? And that was it. I don't even regret, like, eating that much of the brownies, because it just kind of happened. But I really regret not making a move on him in the train like, when there was that perfect opportunity, like, that's what I really regret is is when there, there could have been something. But maybe there wasn't, and I was just, I was misreading it. But I wish that I had just, like, gone for it. And even if he hadn't felt the same way and rejected me, at least I would have known. But instead, I was scared and just ran away. And, like, that's the that's the kind of thing that I really regret. I mean, it's not a big deal. He's, I, I am in a very happy relationship and like my life has moved on and it's not like I still think about this person. I'm like, oh, it could have been. He's not the one that got away. But mm-hmm. those are the kind of things I feel like I regret most in life are the things that I didn't do when the opportunity was presented because I was just anxious or just assumed that the worst was going to happen or I had no place doing that. I felt like there were situations where I would just get scared. I wasn't telling people things that I wanted to say. I wasn't confronting them on things. I wasn't telling people, like, how much they meant to me. There was all this stuff that I wasn't doing in uh, in my relationships. And it was because you were anxious of what? Well, like, you were anxious because... I think just anxious of the vulnerability that you feel when you put yourself out there emotionally to someone else. Even to a good friend, I would still feel anxious about you know, telling someone how much they meant to me. And, so do you feel like now as an adult, you tell people more often? I've gotten a lot better at that, mostly through my boyfriend, because he's so amazing at communicating all the things that are really difficult to talk about. He's very, very emotionally brave with giving criticism, with telling someone how much you mean to them, when telling someone that they've hurt you, all these things that are so, that I find, that I've always found impossible to talk about. He's really, really good at bringing them up and I've gotten a lot better at it for sure it's still not always easy but I've gotten so so much better at it than when I was 22 (laughs) and running literally like shoving shoving like an old person to get off this train so that I don't have to tell this guy how much I like him right with summer coming up if you're looking to get in shape One thing that always motivates me is having exercise clothes that I'm comfortable in. Thankfully, there's a sportswear company that was founded by female athletes, and they design clothes for other women who want to feel comfortable when they're working out. You can check out the selection at yoursportswear.com. And if you see anything that you want to try out, 
Use the code ETFSHOW and you'll get 10% off your order, plus you'll get free shipping. So my boyfriend Gabe and I lived in D.C. for a year. He lived there longer, but I moved there to be with him, and we lived in this little apartment for a year. And we had the absolute greatest landlord in the world. He was amazing. His name was David, David Silva, and he had the thickest, like, northeastern accent and a deep voice. He'd be like, oh, yeah, the fucking sink is broken again. Okay, let me come down there in a minute, and I'll fix the goddamn thing. I'm so fucking sorry about that, you guys. It must be such a fucking pain in the ass. You guys are the goddamn best tenants I've ever had. I'm so sorry. And he was amazing. He could fix anything. Mm-hmm. And he was like 6'5", the tannest man I've ever seen. He was Portuguese. from the Azor- His family's from the Azores Islands, mm-hmm. uh, Portugal. And he was so gay. He was like the gayest man. He was like a bear. He was huge. He was 6'5". And he had this deep voice. And he'd always just be like, like, he'd always complain about the other tenants because there's this really snooty, like, um, homeowners association of the building. It was a condo building, but he rented it to us. Mm-hmm. And he'd always just be like, don't pay attention to those fucking assholes. <laughs> be like, they're so goddamn stupid. I hate this place. <laughs> but he was, and he lived in the building too, and he was just amazing. He was so kind and generous and so sweet. And, and he loved you guys. He loved, loved us. Him. And he took a risk on us because, like, I was moving there and didn't have a job yet. And, but he was like, it's, he totally, like, he was like, it's fuck, it's fine. You seem like goddamn great people. Get in this apartment building. It's yours. And <laughs> it was great. We loved him. We just, like, adored him. We'd go up and say hi. And, and so he, it was after the recession, and he was having trouble finding work. He had worked as a paralegal, but thought the hours were too crazy, and he wanted more work-life balance. And so he left it. And then the economy completely tanked, and he was having trouble finding work. And he was just kind of getting tired of living in D.C. He'd lived there for a while. And so he was ready to completely start a new life. And he decided to move from D.C. down to Florida. We were supportive and we were happy for him to start a new life, but we were going to miss him. But he gave the apartment over to a manager, like an apartment manager. Um, He was still the owner, but he had this guy manage it, this guy Michael. And we emailed with Michael and... Right away, Michael revealed himself to be a fucking money-grubbing hard-ass. And we emailed him that there was an issue with the bathroom. Um, We cleaned it. We're really, really clean people, and we cleaned our bathroom all the time. But there was this really persistent, like, um, not black mold, but something like that, this really persistent mold that was really hard to get rid of. And we cleaned it all the time, but we just couldn't get rid of this stuff. And so we asked him um, for some advice. We were just like, hey, do you know any tips? Because we couldn't ask our landlord anymore mm-hmm. we had to go through the manager you know uh we had already told him that we were moving so we we're like we want to make sure the apartment looks great and this is something that's really persistent do you have any tips for getting rid of this mold and he replied back and said that not only did he not have tips for us but that if we didn't fix this or any other issues he would keep our entire security deposit what that's- right away straight to 10 like right out of the gate that was our first the only request. Like, we just like, keep our security I can't help you with that. And I'm going to threaten you. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we were just like, what? So we got really nervous. And there were a couple other things where it was just questions related to moving. And he kept saying, you know, well, if this isn't fixed, I can't help you with this. But I will keep your security deposit. And Gabe, and I, Gabe had just left his job. I was about to start grad school. We had no money. We needed that security deposit. Like, mm-hmm. we really needed it. And so we emailed David. And we were like, David. <laughs> We're like, David, <laughs> David, help. Mm-hmm. And David was like, he did what? Like, he's this is unacceptable. And so he emailed Michael and was like, 
basically said like he doubts that there are any issues and the move out process should be fine. Just not explicitly saying, I know you're being an asshole, but basically saying like, these guys are great. You have nothing to worry about with them. So Michael replied to David's email and was polite. But then he turned around and kept making threats towards Kat and Gabe. And then he said he was going to send over an inspector, like an official inspector. Instead of him coming to see it, he was going to send over this inspector, which is like a really weird thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we told David and David was like, that's it. I'm coming back from Florida. <laughs> what? <laughs> David was like, here's what we're going to do. He's like, you're getting that security deposit back and I'm going to make sure this guy's doing his job right. So David was like, I'm coming back to D.C. to help you guys with this. And he was like, but don't tell Michael. And we were like, it's on. <laughs> we were, I was like, it's a caper. <laughs> this is so exciting. And so, so Gabe and I clean like crazy. We spend like three days just cleaning. And um, right, we're like, this, is, this place is going to fucking shine like a goddamn diamond. Like this is going to be the, the, the like, cleanest apartment in all of the District of Columbia ever. Like you will be dazzled when you walk in here by how clean it is. You will eat your hat, Michael. And so, <laughs> and so uh, the, day, the day is coming and we're getting really nervous because this guy seems like a live wire and we really want that security deposit back because we're super poor. And, um, and we're like, what is up with this inspector? This is too crazy. And, so, and, and meanwhile, David is like, here's what's going to happen. Text, like, I'm going to be in D.C. Text me when the inspector comes, and I'm going to send someone who is a quote-unquote painter. Mm-hmm. And so so we're like, this is awesome, but also can we keep a straight face when this guy shows? We're like, what's the guy going to look like? And David's like, he's a friend of mine. And we're like, I don't know if that means. He's just like, someone's going to come to your door. He's going to say he's a painter. You know what that means. Let him in. Oh, my gosh. And he'll, and he'll take it from there. Okay. And we're like, okay. And so so the inspector knocks on the door and we're like pumped. We're ready to be super mean to this inspector because we're going to like, we're going to defend our right to get that security deposit back. Mm-hmm. That is all we want. We open the door. The inspector is a gorgeous British man. <laughs> and he was so nice. He was charming. He like made these jokes. Mm-hmm. And so Gabe and I were like really into him. We were kind of like joking around and stuff. And then we get the second knock on the door. And we had been wondering what the painter was the painter was gonna look like. We open the door, he looks exactly like our landlord. He is a six foot five tan bear. And he comes in. He comes in wearing these tiny, these like tiny like track shorts and a bright pink tank top. Oh my god. And he's like, I open the door and I'm just like, hello. And he's like, I'm the painter. I'm the painter. And I was like, oh, yeah. Totally. You have to see. The, he's like, I'm going to be painting the apartment after you leave. And I was like, yes, sir. Come on in. And so he comes in and he kind of like gives me this look of just like, you need to keep it together. He just kind of like looked. He's like, one of those, like, nods like giving just, like, you like a knowing look. Yeah. Like don't. With intensity. Fuck this up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but I just love that David, this tan six foot five bear sent in and which drove think, from florida and then sent his duplicate yeah which makes me think that all of his friends were just it, he just had he just like cruised with this army this like cadre of six foot five tan bears like all the time just like he just had like an army at his disposal and i was like god you lead the best life but um and so then um the quote-unquote painter is watching the inspector, and the inspector's, like, really cute and charming, and everything seems to be going well, but the painter's still, like, watching him like a hawk. But every now and then he'd go and, like, touch the wall 
to like ostensibly look like a painter. He'd go up and be like, kind of like rub it and be like, oh, yes. Mm, Needs that paint. will need a new coat. <laughs> but he's like also glancing at the inspector. And so I, meanwhile, I'm trying to move stuff into our U-Haul and I go downstairs to the box and then standing in the lobby is my landlord, David the Bear. And he looks like James Bond. He is wearing like a blue polo shirt, white slacks, and he has like a silver rolly suitcase and he's standing there on his cell phone, like leaning on his suitcase. And, and I like, I just got so excited to see him. It was like seeing a superhero and he's like talking on the phone. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, no, we can't fucking do that. He's like, no, that's no good. I was like, I wanted to give him a hug and he just kind of waves to me. And I put stuff in the truck and I come back and he's like, sorry, I didn't hug you. I'm not supposed to be here. And I was like, that I remember. So Kat goes back up to her apartment where everybody else is. And the inspector is like, you guys are clearly great tenants. I'm going to recommend that you get your full security deposit back. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't. The inspector says that? Yeah. In front of the painter. In front of the painter. And the painter's like, well, the place looks really good. Um, (laughs) Probably be back after you all move out to uh, paint the place. And then he just leaves. And his pink tank top and his tiny track shorts. <laughs> and then, um, so the inspector leaves and David, our landlord, comes up and and we're like, we're, it sounds like we're going to get it back. And he's like, oh, thank God. You guys fucking deserve it. So he he's like, you're the best goddamn tenants I've ever had. I was just like, And then wow. he didn't seem to have any, like, resentment that he'd traveled all this way. Mm-mm. No, he was just like, I have to make sure this is going well. And it went well and he was like, good. Yeah. Back in the car. <laughs> Back down to Florida. I, I'm guessing he probably hung out with his, with with his painter. army of army of beautiful, tan, six foot five, heavy set bears. Yeah. And tank tops and shorts. Yeah, I bet he I bet he had some fun with his friends too. Good. That's our show. Our theme music is by Danny Janino and our art is by Jen Hamilton. Also, a special thanks this week to Libby Spears and Blueprint Films. If you like the show, please rate us and give us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way. Thanks for listening.